0: The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch. Making sense of your finance.
1: Welcome to the second hour of the Talking Point. It's actually what now? Eight minutes past ten and uh, it's uh, Tuesday. It's the last Tuesday of the month of April. Brian is answering the most frequently asked questions that he's ever received. If you don't know who Brian is, it is Brian Hirsch. He is the chairperson of Brian Hirsch Coley and Associates and it's Personal Finance Tuesday. Brian is in the studio with me. Morning, Brian. Uh, Good morning, KG. Welcome back.
2: Yes, thank you very much. A very sad week last week. I lost my sister. Uh, she had a terrible accident. She fell sideways from the first floor of stairs through the glass balustrade onto the ground floor. And uh, it would have been her birthday. She died at 20 to 12 last Friday. She would have been 80 on Saturday.
1: I'm so sorry, yeah, Brian, oh, no, and my sorry. condolences. Thank you very much, Kate. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this uh, the last Tuesday of the month yeah. is de- devoted to answering questions that are submitted to you uh, during the course of the month. And, uh, of course, it doesn't stop the listeners from sending questions if they want to. And uh, they can call on 086-000-2032, 2032 because money is important, uh, or the WhatsApp line 061-410-4107. The first question uh, that you get nearly every day, you say, is when you borrow from your pen, uh, should you borrow th- from your pension or your
2: provident fund? No, the question is when will I be able to borrow from my pension or oh, provident okay, fund? Oh, okay, not sure. And you. KG, as you made the point, is we have this open hour. People can phone about and answer any questions, any financial questions. What I do during the month, I get so many emails both from radio and TV, and then I collate them and see which are the ones that people are. Constantly asking, you know, if you go into a lecture and three hundred people are in the hall, and at the end of the session, the 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 um, person stands up and says, "Any questions?" People are reluctant to ask questions mm-hmm. because they're always ask scared that they're going to ask a stupid question. And I've always said, you, can, no never ask, you can never ask you can never ask a stupid question. Yeah, you can only get a stupid answer. Yeah. And then one person will answer a stupid a question which is not stupid, and you'll see the room relax. Because so everybody many people was thinking w- the same The same thing. question, you know <laughs> that's all about. So people have been asking me, when can you borrow? So let's understand, Treasury came out with a paper last year saying you will be able to borrow money from your existing pension and provident fund. It was then delayed, and it is now put forward to the 1st of March 2024. So we're going to have to wait for next budget or sometime sooner to let us know. So the first question is... You cannot borrow on your pension or provident fund at this stage. The second question that people are asking is, how much will I be able to borrow? Right, so if you've got your past contributions, let's say you've got 100000 invested in past contributions, you will there will be two pots. Pot one will be the retirement pot, which you will not be able to borrow on. Pot two will be the pot that you are able to take, not even borrow, to take out of your pension fund. They haven't yet given the percentage of each pot what you'll be able to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, The feeling is it'll be probably two-thirds, one-third, one-third borrowing. Mm -hmm. And then you'll also be able to borrow going forward at the end of each year, one-third or whatever that percentage is on your fund. Uh, Is it a good idea? Well, it's certainly for people. You know, if you think about it, people who are not working don't have pension funds. Mm. People who are working and put bread on the table, they've already they contributed to pension or provident fund, and they're struggling. And why are they struggling? Because interest rates have gone up, the cost of living's gone up, and even working people are really struggling now to come out because mm. we've got all these rising costs. And and you know, if you've got a bond and you've got a and you've got a mortgage debt, which is essential, it, I don't call that. Uh, I, I call that Good debt because you've got to have it, but the cost have risen. I mean, our prime rate now is around about eleven and a quarter percent. So people taking buying houses or their interest rate on their bond is now close to ten and a half and eleven, and their finance on motor car mm. is probably close to fourteen or fifteen. So I don't want if you got, if you need it to live on, yes. Let me make this point: you can always borrow on a pension fund, and you've always been able to. And when I talk pension, I talk provident fund as well yeah. for housing. Yes, If you can prove that housing, one of two ways, maybe the pension fund has a housing scheme, which they'll lend you money equivalent to your withdrawal benefit, Mm -hmm. but means if you leave, they take your withdrawal benefit and settle the debt, or they've arranged with a bank that the bank will pro- provide you with finance and the withdrawal benefits will be paid to the bank mm. in the venture comp. So you've always been able to do that for housing or improvements, but you have to go through your pension fund. So the quest- answer is 1st of March, 2024, not before will you be able to borrow under the normal What they call the two pot system.
1: Okay. So then there's another one that uh, the many times I've done this show, I think I've also heard this one. How do I know if I'm putting enough away to retire comfortably?
2: Okay. So let's talk about it. Six to eight percent of people will be able to retire comfortably.
1: Did you say 68?
2: Six to eight. Six. Oh, six. Six to to eight percent will retire comfortably. That's
1: a tiny, tiny Tiny amount.
2: And that's for various reasons. Reason number one people start saving too late they don't save they don't start when they first day of work they start saving a little bit later secondly the investment strategy is wrong because when you've got a long-term time horizon you want to be in growth assets anything 10 years longer you don't want to be conservative mm. thirdly they don't contribute enough and then the biggest problem is when people leave jobs they don't preserve the funds that they've paid because you have an option when you re- when you withdraw from a pension fund to take the money, pay the tax or to preserve it and most people do not preserve it, they take it and so if you've worked for a company for 10 years and you're now 38 and come 38 you withdraw, instead of preserving that amount that's in your pension fund in your own retirement preservation fund which means you don't touch it people withdraw it, pay the tax and now they start saving in the new company at age 38 and they've lost all all those years and that is the eighth wonder of the world which is the power of compound interest they lose out on it but there's no correlation in most cases, of how much you save for retirement and what it means. There's not a working person that I know, or I shouldn't say, but but most people I know are either contributing to both pension funds, provident funds, Mm. or retirement. But they've never done a calculation of how much they're contributing, how much that'll be worth, and how much they will need because of inflation. Mm. And so... Talk to a financial advisor. The banks have good financial advisors. The banks are compliant. If you don't have one, mm-hmm. you can always phone the F- FCI. They will give you a financial and get someone to do that calculation for you because better that you know where you are in the 30s, 40s, and 50s than when you get to 60 and you receive your funds and it's certainly too short. And then you've either got to rely on the state pension, which is 2,000 rand a month, mm. or you're going to have to find another job, or you're going to have to cut back on your living. Mm-hmm. Mm. And remember, at retirement, there are two important components. One is you must have a good health care program and you must have a home paid for. Don't come to retirement and now use your retirement money to pay for your home. Mm. I mean, you do get need to get rid of that debt, but then what are you going to retire on? Because you can't, you live in your home, you've got all those expenses. Mm. And that's why I say do the numbers. You have to do the numbers. Where are you in the. T- on this this, uh, journey between now and retirement and what do you have to do? And even if it looks impossible, better to do something than nothing.
1: Yeah. Okay. If uh, you also have a question for Brian, please call 86 2032 the WhatsApp line 61 410 because it's Personal Finance Tuesday. Brian Hirsch is here. Here's another one, uh, Brian. Children who are now working, how should they go about making investments?
2: Well, I'll give you two stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, my grandmother got a phone call from her bank manager. Your
1: grandmother's still alive?
2: She was. Okay. okay I'm going to tell you the okay. story.
1: Okay. Oh, my God.
2: Don't look at me like that. Of course my grandmother could still be alive, KG.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Anyway, she got a phone call and said, said to her, Mrs. Stern... Uh, I see you've got money in your bank account. We'd mm-hmm. like to send a consultant around to invest it. Mm-hmm. She said, look, my grandson's in the business, and he's always told me about short, medium, long term. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you my time horizon. Mm-hmm. Short term's one week, medium term's two weeks, and long term is three weeks. You see, I am 99. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then a grandmother brought her grandson in a few months ago to see me about saving for it, putting something away. And I mm-hmm. said, what is your time horizon? He said, Monday, Tuesday, short term, Wednesday, Thursday is medium, and Friday, Saturday, Sunday is long-term. So my starting point is when you ask... Children who are now working, what should they do? They need to determine what is short-term, and that's not investing. Mm-hmm. When you invest for the short-term, you put money away, and you're going to spend it. Yeah. When you invest money for the medium-term, you, took, you look more to the four-, five-, six-year period, and when you look for the long-term, you look for longer. Mm-hmm. Because the longer you invest, the more risk you can take in your investments. Mm-hmm. The shorter you need the money, you want certainty and security. You don't want to find that you've made a mistake. So, very simply, it's very important to understand. Now, you can buy, I would say, for young people, savings stay to money market accounts because interest rates today are reasonable we got no interest rates 15 months ago now you can be getting 5 6 7% on call on a 1 year fixed deposit you can get close to 9% so and a lot of companies by the way are advertising 12 to 30 but understand there's a difference between simple interest and compound interest We discussed that last week mm-hmm, Katie. Mm-hmm. yeah so I won't, and then there's unit trust and Unitrust includes the suite of satrix, of satrix funds where you can go in and put money in every month or you can put a lump sum in. That's more a five-type-year investment. And remember, if you're putting money in monthly you and you come at the end of the period and say, look, I paid 100 rand a month for 12 months and over five years I paid 6,000. You didn't put 6,000 rand up front. You put 100 rand a month. Mm. But going to the Satrix, then there are other alternatives. There's endowment policies. Uh, and sometimes if you're young and you're with a company that doesn't have a pension fund, you can start contributing a little bit to a retirement annuity, maybe 10% of your salary. It's tax deductible. But remember, you cannot touch it till age 55. It's locked in. But at least if you do that, you will not be one of the 92 to 94% who can't retire comfortably.
1: Can I add something onto that? Because sure. they say the average South African is 27 years old, right, oh. Brian? Uh, yeah, they're not mine or your age. Uh, but 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 um, if they were listening to this conversation now and they just, let's say, started working a year or two or three or whatever ago, what's the first thing that you advise them to invest in?
2: Well, I, then I did, well again I'm making making the comment that it must be more long term, mm-hmm. can't be short term. Mm-hmm. It's not money you need next year, or you're going on holiday, you're planning an overseas trip, yeah. or a deposit on the car. But I would be talking about the unit trust suite of industry, the Satrix investments, and I like the Satrix Forty Fund, which makes up all the components of the top 40, which a lot of them are mining, Mm -hmm. technology companies, the top companies. I like the Satrix Dividend Fund for something with a little bit more conservative. These are the companies that pay dividends, and companies that pay dividends do rise over a long term. And then you can be more specific. You can go into mining, you can go into financials, you can go into industrials, you've got a whole lot of children, and then you can go offshore. And for someone who's thinking investing for the long term, definitely... Be in an offshore suite of funds. Uh, you've got the Signia funds. You've got the Satrix funds. Talk, and then talk to a financial advisor. Yes. I always say that. Pay them the half a percent. It's really not a lot of money to get the right advice. And I do believe in offshore, you know. Offshore because, this, you know, here we got maybe one technology company we can invest in. Globally, I can invest in 20. Yeah. Here I've got one or two retail companies. Globally, 20 and so on. You know, healthcare companies and, and companies with, um, with artificial intelligence and all the things that are happening be global and I think over a period of time as we've seen the RAND has depreciated over the last 30 years yeah. by between 6%, around about 5-6% and it'll probably continue there'll be times when the RAND will strengthen and there'll be times when the RAND will weaken but over an overall, overall period the RAND w- is likely to weaken you've got much more opportunity be in a Signia suite or a Satrix suite that's invested offshore
1: Fantastic answer Okay another one of uh, the questions that uh, came through. Uh, should I take early retirement?
2: Well, so many people have been offered early retirement, and particularly in many of the government services. The answer is be very careful because, let me, when you're thinking about saving you think about the long term if you're now saving because you're going to retire i mean in france they're getting mad because the retirement age is being Has increased from up, 62 yeah. to 64 mm-hmm. let me tell you i think 64 is so early to retire today because the chances are you're going to live 20 25 years into
1: pause that thought because i'm okay. being told i have to go to a quick commercial uh, done, break done. okay we're going to go to a quick commercial break and come back with
2: talking
0: finance with brian hirsch making sense of your finance
1: Welcome back at 10.23. It's uh, Personal Finance Tuesday, and uh, we are in the hands of the expert. Brian Hash, Chairperson of Brian Hash Coley & Associates, is here. And uh, seeing it's the last Tuesday of the month, Brian has been answering the most frequently asked questions of the month. And uh, we were at the part where he was responding to the question, should I take early retirement? Sorry to uh, disturb you earlier there, Brian. When I have to go to break, I have to go to break. Personal finance for us. By the
2: way, that break Reach for a dream. What an organisation! Yes. Mervyn Cerebro was recently got a big award for his contribution and congratulations to Mervyn. He d- they do a fantastic job. Reach for a dream. Wow. So I was I was saying, should you take early retirement? Yes. Understand, you know, we were talking about France, 62 to 64. Mm-hmm. Probably with people living that much longer, that means their money has to last longer, and they're saving for less. So if you retired age 57, two things have happened. One, you haven't yet. Re, um, got the benefit of compound interest interest on interest and interest and if you think that money doubles over two over eight years so someone who retires at 57 compared to 65 the amount they would have had at age 57 would be double all the contributions they've made over the years mm. would be double at 65 so you lose out on that secondly you've got to live that much longer with inflation mm. uh, you're got to have all your debt paid off and Not only have your (laughs) debt paid off, you've got to live. So you've got to have that debt paid off a lot earlier. It sounds good. The golden year's so many people have not turned out to be the golden years. Mm. They've been turned out to be very difficult years with higher inflation and things. And then you have also not contributing because I said you've got your lump sum at 57, but if you'd been saving to 62 or 65, you'd still have money going in every month. And instead of getting your salary and saving money, you're now drawing on what you got mm. at age 57 and you would find that you will run out of money. A few people, yes, always the exceptions, you do accept well, and people in their own businesses, but people retiring from company funds, whether they be defined benefit funds or defined contribution funds. Defined benefits where they define the benefit for you, mm. and they don't. Doesn't matter how much is in the fund. They say you will get two percent for every year if you worked, and if you work thirty years, you'll get sixty percent of your salary. And a defined contribution is. You put in some money, the company puts in some money, and that's what you get. Very different type of funds. I'm not going into that now. So I'm just saying, think very carefully. Do your numbers. Decide. You may not be happy in the job. You may want to leave the job, but don't necessarily stop work. Find something to replace and to carry on saving money because of the number of years you can have. The two things in danger in front of us are longevity, Mm. how long you're going to live, Mm. and the second is inflation.
1: Fantastic. Great answer, Brian. Uh, If government is giving rebates, that's the next question. If government is giving rebates for those who are putting in solar, inverters and batteries, does the government give me the money up front?
2: (laughs) No. The answer is no. At the end of the year, you'll get a rebate of 25%. That's the individual. Companies are different. 25% of the cost of solar, and I'm repeating that, 25% of the cost of the solar. It's not the cost of the inverters and batteries. So you need to get a separate invoice and up to 25%, which means a cost of 60,000 rand for the solar. You'll get a 15,000 rebate, which means you can deduct from your taxable income 15,000 in full. It's not a deduction where you deduct it from income. It's actually a deduction from income tax. Mm. Now, there's also some 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 ambiguity because the act says that it's for individuals it doesn't say per household yeah so i can tell you i would advise people both the husband and wife living in the home both of you to pay separately have two invoices for the cost of solar so both of you could benefit from that 25% deduction 15000 but it's not tested yet and the final, but it's, it's, it's been, the, on numerous occasions they've commented about this rebate, yes. and they've always referred to the individuals, not to the household. So two invoices will get you a better solution, and you can get up to fifteen thousand, but only if you're spending sixty thousand each was a hundred and twenty thousand. But remember, batteries and inverters are excluded. It's only solar.
1: Yeah, that's a brilliant answer because I mean a lot of people didn't uh, they, you know they didn't think of 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 that. So if you're married, both of you, because the bill is about one hundred and twenty thousand for most of these solars. So you claim the both of you and you split the invoices.
2: Yes, you split the invoice, but it's maximum is sixty thousand. Yeah. So you can and you get twenty five percent of the sixty, which is fifteen thousand. Yeah. So split the split the invoices. You've got everything to gain and nothing to lose.
1: So the sixth question is: Is it a good idea to access funds from your home loan to settle other debt?
2: Okay, so this is a difficult one, and this is quite quite. There's a lot of different opinions, but my opinion is as follows: There's healthy and unhealthy, desk.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: unhealthy debt. Unhealthy debt is certainly. Um, Car. Car, No, no, not car. Credit, car, debt, anything between 18 to 22. Unsecured finance, any of that type of money, that's unhealthy. Your your bond bond and your car rate are lower rates of interest. So if you access money from your access bond… And you pay off your other debt. Mm-hmm. Don't now extend the debt you've just taken out of your access bond for the full period. Take what you were paying to your other debt and put it back into the bond so that you will pay that debt off over the same period of time. So let's assume you owe a hundred thousand rand on other debt. Mm-hmm. Take the, and you were paying on that hundred thousand. Let's assume uh, you were paying four thousand rand a month. Mm-hmm. Take the four thousand. Borrow the hundred thousand from your loan, but put the four thousand you were paying into the loan. Which means in twenty-five months you'll have paid off that hundred thousand you've borrowed. Mm-hmm. What you've done now is you haven't extended your bond, and you have you paid your lower. In, your, you've got rid of your high interest debt and only taken on your lower debt. It's something to look at Under or understand about access people bonds. People do have access bonds, but sometimes. Because of the National Credit Act, the bank may want more information to prove that you still are a warrant and you still can apply for that access bond. So be very careful with access bonds. They don't automatically work because you think you've got an access bond. You need to still satisfy the bank that you're entitled to it under the National Credit Act and under what what we comply, what we call uh, credit evaluation
1: okay so that's all the questions that uh, you generally get in the month we have now a string of questions from our listeners on uh, both voice note and uh, uh, whatsapp and I think callers as well but I have to go to uh, the news headlines as you can see the time and then when we come back we uh, tackle those ones we're with Brian Hirsch it's personal finance Tuesday it's 10:30 and Musa is standing by with the news headlines
0: talking finance with Brian Hirsch making sense of your Finance.
1: Welcome back. It's 10.34. It's Personal Finance Tuesday with Brian Hersh. if you just joined us. Brian Hirsch, if you didn't know, is uh, the chairperson of Brian Hash Coley and & Associates. And it's the last Tuesday of the month. We've just gotten over the most frequently asked questions of the month. So now we go to text on WhatsApp. Brian, first one. Good morning, KG. Brian and the brilliant team behind the scenes. How? Why are they moving it now? How? Okay. Uh, wait, guys. Don't move it around while I'm, I'm reading. Don't <laughs> sabotage me. That's not nice. Okay, I'm reading again. Good morning, KG, Brian, and the brilliant team behind the scenes. I'm using Mukuru Access Bank. I went to the Labor Department to claim to claim my UIF. They denied me access before because they said they don't recognize that bank. What can I do? Please help Donald in Rustenburg.
2: Donald, I really at this on this moment I can't help you because I don't know who Makuru Access Bank is. Uh, it's, it You've never be, heard of them? Never heard of them, have you? Sure, no. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So look, what I will do, Donald, uh, when I get a question like this and you stump me, there used to be a show called Quiz Kids and. People could stump the quiz kids. I'm going back now. I'm now showing my age really to the people <laughs> who will remember that program. But I always say, I, you know, I don't mind getting a question that, that I don't know the answer to. So you'll go and What find I will out. do, I will find out in the Access Bank is, and you will get an answer from me uh, next week. But if you if, you, if it's more urgent than that, we give out my radio line at the end of the show. Please put your name down. And we, can I remind people, because I've been getting a lot of calls, people are not telling me where they're phoning from. And I can only phone back once. And if I don't get hold of you, I pass your question, which you need to give me, to someone in your area so that they can call and answer your question. So, Donald, leave a message on my radio line. I'll give the number. I'll give the number now, and I'll give it at the end. 11 Triple eight. It does take me a week to 10 days to get back to individuals.
1: Next one, Brian. Hi, Brian. Do you think we'll go into recession this year? And what will happen to us with home loan rates, etc.? Thanks. Yash
2: in Durban. Yash, I think we're really in recession, but let's understand the word recession. It's a scary situation. If you show two quarters of positive growth, it means quarter one, January to March, you've got a positive, and then you've got April to June, a positive, and let's say it's positive 0.1, you are not in recession. But if you go to minus 0.1 in each of those two quarters, you are in recession. So let's understand there are severe recessions, there are minor recessions. We are in recession. Our economy is failing. Our growth levels are, are lower. Our, all the problems we've got, we're now grey-listed, which means that money that may have come to South Africa is now not coming to South Africa, and hence our RAND is still trading above the 18, and most analysts believe the RAND should be trading much stronger than that, but it still keeps getting back. This morning we heard it was eighteen twenty four. So I don't think that should change because irrespective of we're in recession, and we know consumers are stretched, but let me say this to you, companies Don't talk about recessions. When companies sit around a boardroom table, they say, what products can we do? What service can we provide? How can we provide better services to consumers? How can we help consumers? How can we get more of consumers' pay packets into our product?" So when you're investing, you're not talking about what's happening in the next three to six months. And sometimes when markets are down, these are good times to buy. The interest rate is a problem because interest rates in America look like next week they're going up again. Uh, Although the inflation rates have come down from 9.1% to 5%, our inflation has now gone up the last statistic, 7.1%. I'm not going to go into this. I don't agree with all the economists. I don't agree with Economy 101 that because there's inflation, uh, we've got to keep pushing up interest rates. Remember, inflation is either... Is either you pull in inflation? In other words, it's demand-driven, or supply. We, our inflation is pushed on us. Rising food prices, rising interest rates, rising bond costs, motor car finances, all the, all the other things. I mean, medical aids, everything that's going up. Petrol price. We heard now oil price at 82 rand, at 22 uh, uh, rand, at 18, 24. All has effect. It's not. It's really not. Uh, um, uh, a, a, a fair and, and the, but the economists say that's what the book says. That's what you've got to do. Mm. Interest rates likely that uh, unlikely interest rates will go up much more. So as long as you can manage these interest rates and certainly maybe another quarter half percent budget, I think you, you'll be okay. But we are in for tough times. We really are. Load shedding is certainly not helping the economy. And if I was a foreign investor, I would be thinking very carefully about what can I invest in, how can I invest in. Certainly, if I don't have energy and I can't provide I mean I went to a shopping center last week uh, on Saturday I could not believe the number of shops that were closed yeah. at three o'clock in the afternoon because they didn't have power Load so shedding. so I' don't, so I yes.
1: went. I went to a bank Brian and yeah. it was closed and I was completely shocked yeah. yeah so
2: all I'm saying to you is yes don't worry too much about recession markets are also driven investments are driven on global recessions mm. and it, it appears that it'll be a lot milder than than what they thought and hopefully in the next 12 months interest rates internationally will start coming down and then south african interest rates will come down
1: okay next on brian uh investment in bitcoin there's an advert saying invest one thousand rand, get ten thousand rands
2: in a week Okay, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Please let me have, I'm interested. I'm going to get out of the studio now and go and invest my thousand rand. I can tell you, they say if you want to make a small fortune, you need to start with a large one. Mm. So I'm not going to comment on Bitcoin. I don't know enough about it. Mm -hmm. But let me say this to you. Mm -hmm. If you'd invested 1000 rand in Bitcoin um, last year, July, mm-hmm. August, uh, June, July, your 1,000 Rand six months ago would have been, your 1,000 Rand would have been worth probably about 300 Rand mm-hmm. and it's now back at about five to 600 Rand. Don't believe these stories. They may be talking about gearing. In other words, you put a 1,000 Rand in and they're going to lend you money to buy more and if Bitcoin goes up, you go. Stay away from that type of investment. And any other investment, I'm not saying... I don't know enough about Bitcoin, so I'm not saying stay away from Bitcoin. If you want to put 1% or 2% into your, in Bitcoin as a very long term, some people, many people believe in it. The money has been made. The people that bought it for 100 Rand and it went to $60,000, $100 went to 60000 made a fortune. Yeah. Be very careful when you get promises. Put 1,000 in and get 10,000 Rand back in a week. Uh, be very careful. Yeah. You may get 10,000 Rand back on paper. Try and get the 10,000 Rand out.
1: Okay, next one, Brian, KG, please ask Brian if, uh, sorry, KG, please ask Brian, what saving can I take if I am a security
2: personnel? Well, again, I have dealt with that this morning. We talk about the difference between saving and investment. doesn't matter what you do, whoever you are. If you've got spare cash, that's fantastic. If it's short-term money, put it in a money market account. You'll get, as I say, depending on the length of that investment, whether it be three months, six months, 12 months, you'll get somewhere between 6 and 9%. Uh, there are adverts running... At 12, 13, but that's simple interest. That means not interest on interest, and I don't think you can do it for one year. You've got to do it for five years. And then, uh, But if you're looking a little bit more long term, go onto the website. There's Satrix, www.satrix.co.za. You can also uh, um, Google Signia, S-Y-N-G-I-A. I think if you've got a long-term time horizon and you don't need the money and you can understand risk, I'll give you an example. You put a hundred thousand rand into Satrix last um, January. At the end of December, it was worth. uh, 80,000 Rand. If you put a thousand Rand in, it was worth 80,000 Rand, 8,000 Rand. So I'm saying there were losses last year. They've been phenomenal years. Had you put that money in five years ago, you would have got a return of somewhere around about 10, 11%. When you consider interest rates were down to three and 4%, that's beating inflation. And that's what you want to do with investments is beat inflation so that you hedge and you you're, you're your money is growing so that it takes into account rising prices.
1: Yeah. Uh, the the security industry is listening to us this morning because the next one also says, good morning. I'm a security guard, 40 years old. I've got three kids. I earn about $5,500 a month. How much do you think I can try to save to put my kids to
2: college? Okay. So now... You mentioned three kids, you didn't mention the ages of the kids, but you're going to be putting money away. and you're He's going to
1: 40, so probably still a young kid. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, Yeah,
2: but he's 40. Mm. But let's just say, when you're putting money away for kids, you know, if you've got a 10-year t- time horizon, you can go exactly what I've said into something more growth-orientated. And so if you're looking at tertiary education for younger kids, that's an ideal place to go into unit trusts and put that money away. But if you've got education in three or four or five years, all you can do is take as little as much as you can. it's. I mean, you talk about three kids, 5,500 rand. I can imagine how the struggle it is. I mean, that when you think about... People a lo- are
1: struggling, I Brian. mean, if you
2: think about a loaf of bread and milk, I mean, that's something like 25, 30 rand a day. That's a 1,000 rand. When you think of the security industry, people traveling to and from work, and you think about taxis, 20, 30, 40 rand a ride. I mean, it's a struggle. Um, um, uh, if you can save anything... Again, I'm going to repeat this. If it's long term, five, ten years, mm-hmm. you can put the money away mm-hmm. in a Satrix fund. That's where I'm saying there's very little cost. Don't go into f- 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 uh, and don't go into risky things. If it's more short term. All you can do is, yep, yeah, because then inflation doesn't, inflation doesn't affect you daily. It affects you over a few years. Mm. If you looked at a basket two years ago and you look at what it costs to fill a basket now. Mm. So if you've got time and you've got time, then just be very conservative. Okay. Good, good luck to you.
1: So we've got some voice notes as well. I don't know whether maybe we, uh, okay, we go to the voice notes now. Uh, voice note at a time. Let's go. Morning KG. So I've been unemployed since the start of COVID in twenty twenty, March twenty twenty, and I've been living off my retrenchment and been paying my retirement annuity. But I have two retirement annuities. There's a, a smaller one that I've been have paid up many years ago and it's grown to two hundred thousand. And then the larger one, unfortunately last month, I had to stop paying that one because I have no more funds left um, to work with or to live on. What would Brian suggest I do now?
2: Okay, the first thing you need to do is you need to check up, and I'm really sorry to hear your situation, not having worked for three years. And obviously, you talked about the one retirement annuity being worth 200000 which gives me an indication that you have worked for some years and you have been able to save money. What a terrible situation. So let me say this. You need to check up the, the retirement annuities that you stopped. You need to check up what they have charged you for stopping that retirement annuity. What penalties have they put through? you need to check that up and please if it's anything substantial you need to contact me so that I can make inquiries for you, this is not an open invitation to the public, this is you've just called me, I'm happy to do that, you've got my line 11 go and find out what were your penalties because often when you stop retirement annuities, the penalties can be enormous not realising these unrecouped expenses. Regarding your other retirement, annuity, if you're a now it doesn't make sense of you Using your retrenchment money to pay for your retirement annuity. Rather stop that retirement annuity as well. You may be able to restart it. Again, have a look at what the penalties are. The penalties depend you know, there was an act passed by Trevor Manuel, I'm going back fifteen or twenty years, where companies were not allowed to 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 uh, have penalty charges more than a certain percentage it was much lower whereas previously companies were taking 70 to 80 percent of individuals contributions and, and accruing those to unrecouped expenses and commissions so I would certainly stop my RA make it pay it up find out first what the charges are so that at least you're, you you're not now you can't be using retrenchment money and mm-hmm. saving because mm-hmm. rather use a little less of your retrenchment and that will give you a little bit longer and hopefully you'll find a position some okay. position' Don't I'll stop looking
3: okay. Uh, next voice note hi SAFM. Um, this is anonymous. I just have a question. I'm currently contributing 12% towards my pension, uh, but I have an option to increase my pensions to 18%. So, um, my question is that, um, Am I not going to lose my money at the end of my my uh, working period? See, uh, uh, taking the fact that the more money you have, uh, the higher the tax. So that's why I am skeptical to increase my my contribution towards my um, my pension uh, contribution because I'm fearing that if I have a lot of money. Uh, I'm going to be taxed, my tax bracket will be higher and then I will not see the value of, out of my contribution. Thank you.
2: Bye. Bye. Okay, Anonymous, (laughs) I'm a little bit disappointed that I can't speak to you because I don't know your age. Mm. I don't know what you say, but let me make the comment. When you contribute to pension... Up to um, three hundred and fifty thousand rand a year, you can deduct that from your taxable income. So anything up to twenty-seven and a half percent, with a maximum of three hundred and fifty thousand. So when you contribute to retirement at the higher level of earnings, you are getting a much tax, much better tax deduction. You spoke about a higher tax. You 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 probably will never pay the same tax rate in retirement as you do as what you get as a tax deduction. Example: if you're in a tax bracket of one million, 45% of your contribution to retirement is tax deductible. If you're at a tax rate of 50,000 rand, thirty percent is tax deductible. And when you retire, you're likely going to have you get likely to have a lower income, which means your tax rate will be lower. You're never going to lose your money. And I think it's if you can afford it, and you've got time, and you don't need cash because remember, retirement money is locked in till fifty-five. It's a great idea to increase because you're going to get a deduction. But then you also need to have a look at how are your funds being invested because some pension funds have more conservative roles of investment and I said from the beginning, if you've got a long term time horizon, you want to be more growth orientated, take advantage of growth opportunities and don't worry about what happens at retirement. When you do retire under a pension fund, you can take one third in cash and at this point in time, 550000 is tax free and then there ratchets up every few hundred thousand and then the balance will buy your pension. But your pension will always be lower. You will never have the same pension. I must never use the word never, mm. but you'll never have the same sort of pension that you will have while you were working, so your tax rate will be lower. So I to, I'm all for in- increasing my contribution to retirement. You don't, you can't, your you, 18% mustn't exceed, as I said, the 350,000. Have a look at the underlying investments. But there are two unknown to questions that I'd have for you, I'm giving this as a think understanding you sounded younger. You sounded maybe in your 40s. Uh, and and uh, 40s, God, the bitch. she's and, in her 20s. Uh, you are, you're <laughs> even better, even better. Uh, <laughs> but if you're in those younger ages, 40, early 50s, something like 50, two or something like that or you know then you should be you've got time on your side go for that in, increase your contributions. You're great Brian.
1: Okay let's hear another voice note.
2: Hi
0: KG, morning morning. Uh, KG I think I missed uh, a point you just made I just want to, 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 to be sure about borrowing money from your pension fund. Uh, did he speak of public servants or government workers like municipal workers Is it a signed and confirmed thing uh, that it will be in effect from next year? I think he said the 1st of March or 1st of May next year. I, I just missed that point. Is it a signed and confirmed thing? and was he talking about public servants and municipal workers or government
2: workers if I'm, if i put it that way thank you Keiji. okay that's a difficult one because it's not it, the treasury the treasury bill has the act has been actually uh, issued but the details have not and whether i'm sure it'll deal to government workers it will be from the 1st of march 2024 no point trying to get monies before i don't know whether the government fund allows uh, contra- uh, funds to be borrowed for property. I'm not sure about that, but I am. I'm, I'll, I'll, again, I'll give an answer next week okay. t- if the Treasury bill deals with government work. Let's go to break. Let's go to break. What?
0: Talking finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance.
1: I hope you've managed to get your questions through uh, to Brian. Your WhatsApps two zero six one four one zero four one zero seven because it's Personal Finance Tuesday with uh, Brian Hirsch from Brian Hirsch Coley and Associates. We have more voice notes.
0: Good morning, KG. Good morning, Brian. Um, I'd like to stay anonymous. Um, I've been working for a company, a particular company. Um, for a few years, a good few years. However, we don't have a pension fund or a provident Fund scheme uh, where we can contribute. Um, but this company is quite a big company in um, the, the, the market zone where we do compete um, and fairly make our, our, our budget at the end of the month or um, come year end. How do we as the workers go ahead and get uh, something like this other than our own uh, pension fund schemes that we had to then then take out because uh, the company is not um, giving us any uh, of those benefits.
2: Okay. Look, it's it's very unusual in these times that a company doesn't have a pension or provident fund, which allows members to contribute. Where the company provides a, a similar contribution, where the company provides group life cover if an employee dies, an employee, and even disability cover. So I think what you've got to do is you've got to take that up with your HR. You've got to get enough of you around the table mm. to take it up with your HR for the company to inst- to put in a pension fund. Let me say this to you. When a company first puts in a pension fund, every employee ha- has a choice of whether to join or not. It's not compulsory. Mm. Whereas if you join a fund, that a company that's got a pension or problem fund, and it's compulsory to join because it's a condition of employment. But I would really put pressure on the company. And if the company's not doing it, but then the company may say, they giving you a package based on cost to company. Mm. You know, words, a total package which includes everything, healthcare, medical aid, um, sorry, healthcare, pension fund, and that you've got to do everything yourself out of your salary. But if that's the case and the company won't um, agree to implementing a fund, then you need to seriously think about retirement annuities. You can get a group retirement annuity. Call in a broker, call in someone in your area who's capable. Come and talk to the workers about the importance of saving because if you're not saving for retirement, you may be doing well during working but life, but you're not going to have anything at retirement. Put pressure on the company. Very unusual that a company doesn't have a fund or do something for their workers. Um, I'm surprised.
1: Okay, next voice note.
2: Good
0: morning KG. My uh, question is regards to QZ asset management. Uh, A while ago, Brian Hirsch was asked on the show about it, and he didn't seem to know anything about the company. Uh, They are now advertising at Ortambo Airport. They are soon to be listing on Wall Street, which you know is a cumbersome exercise, and you've got to be legitimate to do that. I see guys are are making a lot of money and riding nice cars from QZ. How safe is it? Because I know people who are pulling money from there personally. I'm talking about 80000 a week. I'm talking about 140000 a week. How safe is that? Mm. This is Paul. Thank you,
2: Paul. I I still don't know he's anything on Tuesday, but I've been given some homework today by Donald regarding the, Mac, uh, the Makura. Makura. I've been given a, a question of government to work. They're at,
1: saying Makura is a bank used in Zimbabwe. In fact, somebody responded. Oh, did they? Uh, yeah, so uh, you know it's re- it's used apparently by Zimbabwe nationals, uh, and they think that Standard Bank is involved with uh, its existence. So g- at I'll least that leads you somewhere. Yeah, okay,
2: thank you, uh, Paul. I don't know the answer. I'm really sorry. I can't give you an answer, QZ. But let me tell you, over the last few years, people haven't made money on markets. So I will, I will, I will investigate it with certainly of our analysts and strategists. And I've got three questions to answer. Yours will be one that I will answer first. Next Tuesday, I am doing the program, I think, from Cape Town next Tuesday. Ladies, I can't bring you coffee. coffee. I'll get you coffee the following (laughs) week. You'll come in. Uh, Paul, I hope I'm sorry I can't help you today.
1: Okay. Uh, Another voice note. There's no voice note, I'm told, um, but there's uh, a, a WhatsApp question. Uh, good morning, Homozo uh, and Brian. Uh, I was working for the Department of Health for 10 years and I resigned. Now I'm an unemployable 53-year-old poor black man. When I reach 55 or else 60 years, will they not give me some smaller money ...since I contributed for 10 years.
2: Yes, you've definitely entitled to your contributions. It's probably sitting in the fund, the Department of Health. I'm going to give a number out in a moment to people who often say to me... ...how do I find out if there's money owing to me from my pension fund? This does exclude government funds. It's impossible to get through to them. But you can. You need to write to them and say, what's happened to my funds? Are they still in the fund? Are they being invested for me? You certainly will be. You haven't, if you haven't withdrawn you can't have lost your money the money's in the pension fund the Pension fund money does not belong to the company. It has it's completely separate and safe. And you just need to get that details. And when you do get to fifty five or sixty, when you take the money, that fund should have grown. But you need to understand what, how much is there for you, and what is it invested in, whether it's the Department of Health, the Department of whatever government department it may be. I'm sorry again to hear from someone who isn't working. And uh, but don't stop. You have to carry on. You can't just leave and say, Well, I'm going to have money at of 60 because at age 60, the cost of living is going to be virtually double than what you need today. So you've got to get those funds invested. May I just give out one thing because it's the same question. Uh,
1: Also, don't forget to give out your contact details. Yes, I will.
2: Because people always ask me where can I find out if there's pension money owed to me? There's a toll-free number I'll give it to you. As a matter of fact, KG, I'm going to let you read it out. Your voice is my voice is sort of going off the blink
1: you have a beautiful voice brian the 0800 one yeah okay the toll-free number uh is 0800 203722 i repeat 0800 203022
2: so the, that's if you if you if you're wondering if there's any funds you can phone that that number uh uh, my, my, my number is 011-880-4888. Please, you've got to tell me where you're phoning from. You've got to give me the question and all your numbers.
1: So let me repeat that number again before Brian goes, because I'm sure a lot of people will want that number. That number, if you want to double check, if you've got...
2: Any money owed to you by any pension funds.
1: Any money owed to you by any pension fund is 0800, because you'll be gone and they'll be asking us for the number 0800 203722. Thank you, Brian. Travel safely. KG,
2: lovely doing the programme with you. Thank you for looking after me.
1: And and, uh, I'm sorry you lost your sister. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lavi. Thank you. It's 11.01 and Musa is standing by with the latest news.